Hey, everybody. Hello, welcome, everybody. Welcome to Smoking Issues, where nerdy guys sit around, smoke cigars, and talk about smoking issues in the church. I'm Josh. And I'm Ian. Welcome back, Josh. It's been a long time. Ian, it has been forever. How, many, how, how long has it been? Since December, right? Well, an awful lot of terrible things have happened in the in, in this world since that time. <laughs> I've been and, in, I've uh, been in mourning and I've been I'm, prepping the bomb I've not, shelter. I've not been I've not been counting the days anymore. <laughs> I've been I've been counting the tears instead. <laughs> and the tears they are many. Tears, so many tears. <laughs> so many tears. Oh my gosh, man, it's been a couple of months, lots of things have happened. Right. The, uh, I mean the, the, the closest thing we did to a video was New Year's Eve. That's right. Yeah, we went first Facebook Live, and then that was it. I think that's what killed us. When, yeah. we, when we started doing Facebook Live, that's when everything started to go downhill. Let's just stick with YouTube. YouTube or YouTube? YouTube, where we truly belong. <laughs> that's good. And where the commenters are welcome to lambast us. But, you know, we don't have enough uh, viewers to, to lambast us just yet. Right. Well, I mean, so I, uh, I shared us on Facebook. Hopefully people will join in. But uh, it's been good to see you. Good to see um, you too. I, yeah, we, we've literally not exchanged a single word since that time, have we? Not at all. Not no. like we talk a couple times a week or anything like no. that. No, no, no. We've not exchanged a single word. We've nothing but silence it's each just other. anger and resentment after New Year's. Yeah. New Year's yeah. drama. I end up walking home with my ha high heels in my hands and... <laughs> and <laughs> Josh, Josh you're, six, you're like six foot two. Why do you need high heels? <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, just picture me in a short skirt, very cold, with high heels in my hands. I mean, that'll keep you up for over weeks with nightmares. That'll keep you up weeks with nightmares. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's great. All right, so um, lots of stuff to get into. Uh, uh, Ian and I had talked before we went, we went live and just said we're going to try our best to keep it at an hour, which will be quite challenging. It will be. Uh, because a, a lot of a lot of things have happened. There are some smoking issues. <laughs> there's a lot of things to talk about. <laughs> there's a lot of um, a lot of news that has been happening, right, Ian? Yeah. Or in fact, not happening, as the case may be. <laughs> you know, I heard something about maybe Russia and fake news. Is Russia fake news? I think Russia is just fake. Russia is completely is. fake. Yes. <laughs> there's just no such thing as Russia. No such thing. Completely fake. <laughs> Um, so uh, uh, we have different cigars. I was in Memphis this weekend, and there was this awesome little smoke shop in Memphis called the Tinderbox. Yeah, and uh, they had a bunch of like these old cigars just kind of in a bin. They're they're not selling them anymore. Uh, that that brand or whatever. And so I was yep. trying to get rid of them. So five bucks a stick. So that's what I went with. Mine is something called La Duena, and I've never heard of it before. Um, have no clue who it is. So. Uh, we will see what the smoke is like. Ian, what do you smoke? I'm, I'm, I'm smoking a, a humble punch. Humble punch. Yeah, I can't go wrong with punch, man. All right. So, uh, oh, by the way, Ian, I was going to say, next time we do smoking issues, uh, don't want to commit us to this, but a thought could be they make this punch cigar that has um, both a, a, a light wrapper as well as a dark wrapper. Have you seen those? Oh, they're like, rolled together. Yeah, they're like very expensive, but I think it would be kind of cool as a splurge for us. That would be cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that next time will be what in June? <laughs> Got our current rate, yes. <laughs> <laughs> current rate. Days of issue. June. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to light up. Uh, yeah, smoke, smoke punch before. There's nothing, there's nothing remarkable about this stick. It's, it was about five bucks. Yeah, this one was about, uh, this one was $3 from a bin. Woo! 
I haven't had dinner yet, so I might become an Ian. I might do an Ian by the end of this and turn a little white or green. Do an Ian. I might do an Ian. You're going to be kidding me. <laughs> so, um, you know, as we were thinking about uh, what to do for our inaugural podcast of um, 2017, uh, you know, we, we really thought we should do a fake podcast. I think that's what we're going to do, right? Uh, we're not we're not going to be a real podcast. We're going to be a fake podcast. We're going to talk about fake news and fake things. What do you think, Ian? Fake things. No, sadly, sadly, the world is full of real things that are actually happening and are all terrible. So, uh, and, so we can't we can't get away with talking about fake things because real things are happening and they're not great. Yeah, uh, things have been very different over the past uh, couple of months. A lot of people are worried. A lot of people are concerned. Uh, there have literally been riots in the streets. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, I'm I'm quite comfortable down here in Tennessee. In the South, I think people are quite happy right now. Oh, I mean, the South is a very happy place. How can they not be happy? I know people are so nice. I was just hanging out with somebody earlier today. They're just the, like every the grocery store when you go buy something to drink, or you go buy a cigar. Everybody's just so nice. It's great. I love it. I make friends very easy. Uh, yes, you do. Uh, except with me. God, it took, you, it, took you, it, it took me forever to even come to tolerate you. I, I did not like you when I first met you. I mean, I thought you were just an absolute jerk. I really didn't. And I'm totally serious, too. Please add some exposition to that. I um, yeah, you were just this absolute arrogant ass. That's what I thought you were. And uh, remember when you hung out Manja, Manja, Manja? Remember the third floor? Oh yeah, in the ceiling there. Yeah, yeah. And I just was like, who the heck is this guy? And why is he here? And do we even want him here? And yeah, it was, it was. Uh, I was just like, man, I thought you were a prick. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really I re- did. Now, Josh, I hope you I'm probably not- the same way. I hope I've done nothing to change that opinion. <laughs> no, in fact, you've done quite a lot of things to prove it, but that's why I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but that was in my sweater vest wearing days, and we all know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 I, and I, was, uh, I was, well, I found a picture of myself back in those days. Oh, did you? Uh, and, we, and we can see can just see how, how terrible a human being I was back then. Let's see. Oh, you're gonna really enjoy this. Um, uh, look, look, look at this. Hold on, let's make sure I can actually see the see the camera. Look at this. Uh, <laughs> yes. The bangs. Yes. The bangs. Just Stop laughing. No one can see. No one can it see. It literally screams douchebag. That's what the bangs scream every time. I love it. Yep. There it is, guys. That was me, back when Josh first met me, more or less. <laughs> Did you still have your fingernails painted black, Ian? Sometimes. <laughs> so, that's so good. That's so good. I love it. But then again, okay, for next time, I'll have to pull a picture of me because I was in my sweater vest wearing days, and I was just as much of an ass. I actually have that picture on my computer, by the way. I've downloaded that. Dude, that's kind of creepy that you have, but also kind of awesome, too. Ian once put um, a picture of me and my sweater vest wearing days on the Downtown Hope website just to screw with me. <laughs> Do you remember that? I did. I think I think it was like on some like also like groups page maybe. Ben, do you remember we found my old um, Zanga, 
or my I had I had an old uh, photo blog or something. Yes, you did. It Flickr. was um, not Flickr. It was um, DeviantArt. Oh God, that was the worst. And so it was you, Joshua, myself. I think Joey. Four of us were in the office, and I and I sh- I pulled it up and shared it with you. It was it was, it was great. Incredibly, it was the MySpace selfie picture, playing with the contrast so I look more intense. Oh, it was the worst. So we good. all have those. One day when our children grow old, they're going to be able to see our whole lives on social media, and it's kind of scary. Mm. Our, our children. You and I? <laughs> Not you. Okay. All right. Let me just add I, a I, statement. No offense, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the image of me in high heels. I don't know. Maybe that was getting me going. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ian, right. introduce the issue for us. Well, the issue is that this year, well, not this year, 2017 per se, but this last 12 months, the, the world stopped being a rational place. <laughs> let's just get, let's, let's get the, the fake news, absurdist headline out there. The world yeah. stopped being a rational place. Mm-hmm. Um, what we had was a, a year of political discourse uh, which was increasingly not rooted in facts, but rooted in feelings. Um, you know, on actually to my side of the pond, uh, we voted to leave the European Union based primarily on appeals to national pride or fear of immigrants to taking jobs. Yeah. And now, don't get me wrong, I believe there are some really good arguments against the European Union, but these were not the reasons people voted to leave. Okay. Why That's important they, to know. Why I don't they think they, they voted to leave because they were, they were told that the NHS would get more money if we left the European Union, that British jobs would be more secure if we left the European Union, and that our GDP would go up if we left the European Union. All things which have, which have not happened yet in the eight months since we've left. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so it goes. So and none goes. of that was based on fact. None of that was based on statistical analysis or fact or somebody doing some research. It was more of an appeal to an emotional feeling. Is that right? Uh, you know what? Commenters will probably disagree with me because um, I've got many friends who did believe quite strongly in the Brexit cause. Um, but, but, but from my, my opinion, my observation is that the rhetoric, at least, uh, the popular rhetoric, the populist rhetoric was uh, rooted in feeling and in um, appeals to pride, appeals to fear. Yeah, yeah. And conversely, on our side of the pond, we had a major political upheaval, major political surprise happened in November. Um, but, uh, you know, for us, it started long before then, this idea of an appeal to feelings as opposed to facts. And uh, one of the best examples of that was uh, an interview that Newt Gingrich gave, and I believe it was with Fox News. Uh, no, it was with CNN. Um, and uh, in, in which it was a discussion on the, the violent crime rate in the United States. And, uh, and Newt had, had very uh, passionately argued that uh, the violent crime rate in the United States was going up alarmingly. Uh, violent crime offenses were going up and, and Americans were, were not safe and, and we had to protect the country. And, right. uh, and, and the CNN reporter actually produced facts um, not from a uh, liberal news source, not from a biased news source, but from the FBI, a fact from the FBI that showed statistically that uh, the rate of murders was going down. Right. And, uh, and, and so he kept uh, um, on arguing about different anomalies that might happen. But, but overall, 
uh, the, the FBI reported that uh, violent crime was was going down. And uh, and and to that, to, to the con confrontation, um, he says immediately after cherry picking statistics, which was true, he, he did say that in certain areas um, that the violent crime has gone up, but overall as a whole, everything is going down and has been going down quite dramatically. Um, uh, he said, the average American, I will bet you this morning, does not think that crime is down, does not think that we are safer. And and when the, the CNN commenter said, well, but no, they are, statistically, he said, people feel more threatened as a political candidate. I'll go with what people feel rather than your theoretical facts. Ouch. Yes. Ouch. But so, so, so there seems so, 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 now, now we're debating issues mm -hmm. of national policy no longer based on any rational ground, uh, but entirely on what people feel. And, and whether or not even people feel them. I mean, feelings are so subjective, right? So, mm -hmm. so um, if I go based on what I feel, I might feel like I, uh, I love that nice uh, jacket that you're wearing today. But uh, oh, tomorrow, thank you. oh, yeah, I actually do like it. Um, but, uh, but I might feel tomorrow like I don't like it. Right. So uh, my feelings change, our feelings change. That's the nature of humanity. And, uh, and so we're making real-life decisions both across the pond on your side, across the pond on our side. Um, uh, seemingly, there seems to be a transition to more away from this idea of fact and more on the idea of feeling. So, Ian, qu question, guiding question. Where is this coming from? Well, uh, thank you, guiding question from the script. Um, <laughs> Shameless guiding question. I love Shameless it. Shameless guiding question. Well, it's not real. It's not real. That well, was, it was fake. It was a fake question. What what can be said to have happened? And some and 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 and, and you may you may interject if I'm wrong, or, or you or you think I'm think I'm off point here. And especially you commenters, uh, feel free to comment on on our Facebook Messenger. Um, we can talk about how um, the 20th century saw uh, the decline of um, meta narratives. Meta narrative is a um, uh, a long word to describe um, theories and stories and suppositions which guide us in our uh, decision making, give us our identity. Mm -hmm. uh, one decline of, an, of a certain meta narrative was a meta narrative of the of the benevolent colony, benevolent colonialist, um, as the European powers rescinded uh, in the latter half of the twentieth century. And uh, and and gave uh, autonomy to nations they previously conquered or colonized. Uh, what we saw was was the collapse of a meta narrative of global empires um, providing benevolent support to developing nations, and uh, this was uh, no longer believed to be true. Uh, in, in its place, uh, a narrative of oppression uh, was one put forward, and uh, and uh, nations in India. South Asia and Africa uh, overthrew and rejected the previously benevolently understood um, powers that, dom that dominated them. Well, but, I would say that that benevolent would probably be a stretch, uh, right? A right, right. Bias. But um, but the deeper issue, as as we look uh, uh, on the foundation underneath that, is uh, the idea of, of postmodernity. How does postmodernity play into this? Yeah. How, how does how does post how does most postmodernism play into this? Postmodernism, uh, uh, one could say, uh, postmodernism is the um, the the rejection of received wisdom. 
the rejection of received ways of doing things, uh, the rejection of, um, of, of things we were taught, and the reassessment of them. Uh, one might argue that, uh, that too, it argues a sense of deconstructionism. Yeah. Uh, that says we take a preconceived uh, list of ideas that we have, mm -hmm. and we deconstruct them. We take apart all the different facets that make that idea, and um, argue based on the deconstructionist um, pieces of an idea, not on the idea itself. Would that be yeah. an accurate understanding? Yeah, yeah, um, or or indeed even on the uh, you know the outcomes of an idea. So uh, we could say that in in modernism, in in modernity, in in rationalism, uh, we uh, we listen to our science teacher. And we um, uh, follow them in uh, in, in, in an experiment. Uh, we run the experiment. The teacher tells us to, to run. In postmodernism, uh, the the whole system of education is the experiment that we're <laughs> assessing. <laughs> yes. So so it becomes a much broader um, perspective, and and it actually has done some good too, right? Right. It has done some good. It has done some good. I, I, you know, as previously mentioned, uh, the collapse of narratives of empire uh, around the world and the dismissal of these as terrible ideas um, uh, is, is, is one such uh, great outcome of postmodernism, I believe. Uh, uh, additionally, being able to critically assess political, educational, bureaucratic um, systems, because you've no, you no longer believe these are inherently good or true, uh, but are indeed also subject to the same level of inquiry as things like rocks or or water, right? And 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 part of that, uh, some of the positive effects of postmodernism is that it has revealed our preconceived notions that we approach these things. So, uh, using that, I think that's a great example um, about the idea of in a science class, um, uh, presuming that uh, that that scientific experiment is not rigged or a straw man in some way to prove a point. So we approach that scientific experiment with an understanding that if we do X, Y, and Z, and this thing happens, it proves our point. Right. And, uh, and sometimes that can expose some preconceived notions about, uh, about our approach to truth and our approach to the world. So right, it exposes right. some of the, the preconceived notions. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's, been, it's, very, it's been very helpful in, in, in helping education, for example, to be less dominated by the interests of the ruling elite and to become interested in uh, the students themselves. Uh, that, that, that's one observable postmodern outcome, I would say, uh, to as postmodernism interacts with, uh, for example, education as a system. Yeah. Uh, we no longer uh, believe in, in our, we no longer have to believe that an educational system is inherently good, uh, mm -hmm. but we can assess it based on whether it meets the needs of the student. Yeah, and when postmodernism was young and a baby, and it was nice and cute because it was new, yeah. And uh, and it started to crawl, and it started to get some teeth. Um, sharp started, teeth. <laughs> sharp teeth, yeah. Started to, to break apart some of our ideals, and then it actually started to become uh, some of the predominant thought that people, millennials our age, um, started to grow up with. So we started to grow up with this idea um, uh, some, some, in some aspects of the world, some places in the world, started to come up with this idea of, of post-modernity as a philosophy and a way to interpret truth. Um, but now it's become a little different. Postmodernity has been here what for 15, 20 years. Well, um, I mean, I mean, I mean, per, I mean and predominantly. Extreme. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. some some would argue post uh, postmodernism begins with the end of the First World War, and the um, and the collapse of the trust in the aristocracy uh, that followed it. Right. Uh, so some would, some would argue that. 
you've talked about that, but the idea of it being broadly accepted um, has really come to fruition in our age, would you say? Right, absolutely. So the question is, is what happens when postmodernism becomes an angsty teenager? Right. Well, what happens when postmodernism becomes an angsty teenager? Um, and, 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 and begins to have a, a slightly different impact. Um, because, because think about this. Um, 15 years ago, people who are predominantly buying into the idea of postmodernism were either just getting to vote or not voting yet. Yeah. And, and they weren't, it wasn't as predominantly accepted as it is um, as we find today. And so now the people that believe and espouse postmodernism um, have uh, a larger voice in the culture. They have a larger influence in the culture. They're writing books. They're shaping companies. They're shaping philosophies um, on a broader scale than they had access to um, when they were younger. Right. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, we 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 can we can re we can reassess that cynicism uh, a, a little later. I want to get to the point of what happens when postmodernism becomes a teenager. Um, what, what seems to have happened in the in the sort of adolescence of postmodernity is that uh, uh, things are not necessarily ever true. Uh, in fact, truth um, is assessed um, not on its uh, observable reality, but based on its impact on the individual or a community of individuals. Hmm. What, what does that explain that a little bit more? Um, how can I explain that? Uh, there's no longer anything which is true outside of myself, uh, but, but its truth uh, or validity is assessed based on what I feel about it. Um, or, or, or whatever, whatever impact well, that has on me as an individual. Well, we've done, we've done this quite often. I think we've probably addressed this idea on a lot of different previous podcasts, the idea of bishops. Remember we talked about that, a tale of two bishops? Yeah. Um, we talked about this idea of weaponizing scripture where truth becomes relative and our perspective of scripture becomes relative. Another one that was interesting was the idea of the sanctity of life as we approach death. Right. Uh, remember we had that conversation about assisted suicide. Yeah. So it seems like yeah, yeah. like, like, that, like my, my my life is no longer worthwhile because I don't enjoy it because I don't feel like my life is worthwhile and right. I actually think back to um, the idea of oh man I was thinking uh, this idea of 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 bishops and how they interpret the scriptures as well and what that looks like and questioning authority uh, yeah. so I think that we've 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 touched on this. Um, on multiple different occasions where the highest ideal in our culture has become self-expression. And yeah. so everything else is sacrificed at the altar of what I feel. Uh, but there's some major, major problems with that. Right. Be because uh, what I, I feel not, might change. Yeah, yeah not, not least of which, Newt Gringich uh, saying that what's relevant for choosing a political candidate is whether they make me feel safer. Yes. Not whether I uh, actually am safer. Right, not whether I actually am safe. You know, all evidence to the contrary, I feel more, in, more under threat. So I'm looking for somebody who can, who can make me feel better about that. Yeah, so it's actually uh, what we're looking for is someone that will, that will comfort my perceived ideal of truth. That will give me my perceived comfort, not my actual comfort. Right. Because right. there's plenty of people that can say in the middle of a war zone. I mean, actually, I, I was thinking about this. Um, uh, there's a... A fugue state that happens to men in foxholes. Do you ever read about that, Ian? The idea of a man in a foxhole—he gets this. Um, there's certain people they've been. Uh, oh, there's a there's a there's a terminology for it. Help me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The idea of like you kind of go and there's a temporary insanity that happens with PTSD. 
You mean shell um, shock? Yeah, shell shock. That's what it is. Uh, you ever seen pictures of, of World War II soldiers in shell shock in a, in a foxhole? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no, please describe that for me. Um, so I just remember the starking picture of a guy. It's in the middle of a, of a war zone, and there's an old black and white photo taken of him in a foxhole, and he's smiling and laughing um, with his helmet off while the men around him are up shooting outside right. of the foxhole. And he's just crumpled on the ground, sitting Indian style, leaning up against the earth, uh, smiling and laughing. Right. And, and that's the idea of sh shell shock. Thank you for, for, for that. But the idea is that there is a perception in his mind that he's somewhere else, something totally different. He's not aware of his surroundings. He's not aware of the truth of what's happening around him. He's, he's in a totally different place. He's right. absolutely in shell shock. And we, and we identify that person as actually mentally ill. Mm -hmm. So it seems like this concept is happening in the world around us. Right, right. And Christians uh, yeah. are struggling. I feel like even on social media, Christians are struggling with how to respond to this. Um, how do we view what is true? How do we promote what is true? Should we? Where, what is the role of a, of a Christian and the role of the church in a, in a world that's uh, shell-shock and uh, seemingly like uh, in a shell-shock world? Right, right. What, what, does, what does the church do when, um, when people are voting uh, political candidates into in significant positions of power uh, based not on uh, things that are actually observably true of the world, uh, but based entirely on their own subjective feelings? Exactly, yes. And we even saw that um, recently with uh, the cabinet positions that were getting voted on. Um, There's some people that objectively might not be qualified Right to to be in the positions that they are in, um, but because of um, either certain people's devotion to a political candidate or their opposition to a political candidate, are saying, "Well, that's totally fine." That's totally fine. Right, 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 right. Uh, so, so we have, we have a, colla a collapse of like uh, a belief that people have to have, have to be a credibly qualified candidate to, in order to perform a job. And by the way, that's not making a statement for any one political candidate or another. I think that has been happening over the past many years, and I think that this is just coming to the surface recently, but um, I think that that's been happening probably quite longer than we would care to admit. Probably, probably. Um, so uh, it, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a very difficult year um, to watch as, a, uh, as, as one worldview crumbles and another one begins to emerge. Um, the, the worldview that said, you know, we make decisions based on things that are Considered rational and true, um, has has somewhat given given way um, to, to 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 plug one interpretation of of some recent political events. Um, uh, the 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 rationalist founding fathers of America, um, or the or the or at least the writers and thinkers that created the idea of America, uh, Knox, um, Hobbes, Smith, uh, these individuals. Uh, had a certain idea of, of what we call classical liberalism. Okay, explain that. Uh, cl classical liberalism, uh, uh, it, you know, means many things. I'm sure you can Google it. But, but you know, one of the one of the many uh, facets of classical liberalism is is a belief that free trade between people groups benefits everybody. Okay. Uh, free movement of labor benefits everybody. Free movement of capital benefits everybody. It, the world is better. Everyone is better off uh, when these freedoms are, are preserved and allowed. 
Okay. And uh, what we see uh, in the West is actually a tightening of borders, uh, uh, a tightening of trade, um, quite uh, apart from what might have been seen uh, previously to have been a, a completely rational decision. Gotcha. Okay. Because I think a, a lot of people have been feeling a sense of fear with what's been going on in the world around us. We see terrorist attacks happening. Um, we see innocent people getting murdered and killed. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we, we see people who don't sound like us in our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. We feel threatened. Um, and, and when you look at facts, uh, statistically, and I, and I want to, I actually want to look this up as we talk, but, um, the, the, the most cause of violent crimes and the most violent shootings that have happened in, in the United States of America, America have been perpetrated by certain demographic of people. Americans, American yes. citizens, white males, white male, American citizens, the most Absolutely. amount of, of, of terrorist activity right. or deaths or mass shootings. Right. In the past fifteen or twenty years. Now, that's not. I, 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 and, and in fact, in fact, you know, you know, to 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 to, to support that point, um, first generation migrants are actually the least likely to to be perpetrators of, of any crime. Right. And and what we found, and I think we've talked about this in the past with the adoption immigration issue, is um, there's always a, a cultural scapegoat that seems to have happened. Um, and, you know, as the Irish, uh, my people, you know, came over. Um, it, was, it was Irish and Italian immigrants uh, first, um, right. and, and even before then, it was, it was Native Americans. Um, this idea of there's always an other that we're placing our fears onto. But yeah. Ian, to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I was thinking about this idea of the Founding Fathers, even in the United States. And um, uh, we talk about this, this idea of discrepancy and this idea of maybe even what is truth actually extends all the way back to um, our founding fathers, when they said all men are created equal, um, right. wrote those words with uh, millions and millions of our brothers and sisters enslaved, uh, taken from their homes and captive in, in slavery for hundreds of years. Right. And, 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 and I think we've talked previously about how much of a contradiction that was. Yeah. So, so we've seen the seedlings of this and we've seen actually some major fruit and fruition of this happening, but it seems like the philosophical ideal that I think was, was actually moving in a more positive direction. You think in the sixties, you think Martin Luther King, uh, I'm just thinking about uh, the rights of all um, Americans, uh, women's voting, um, the idea of, of repealing these, these Jim Crow laws. There seemed to have been moving a more positive trajectory to, to include a broader range of truth. Um, right, or, 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 to, or to, to insist that this, this truth is true for all people. Exactly. So, so trying to correct our logical um, fallacies. Right. Uh, trying to correct our, our, our logical fallacies um, with reform and, and with this, this civil rights movement probably could be a good example of that. But it seems like we've taken a step backwards over the past 12 to 18 months, which is right. causing a lot of concern for not just people like you and me, who are pastors, but also for major evangelical leaders who are speaking for evangelicalism in general. It seems like that a lot of them are coming to a consensus that there are certain things that aren't right. Um, right. But the average everyday American, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, um, is is really struggling to get on board, even when their evangelical leaders are saying something that hey, maybe these things aren't right, but there seems to be some 
some some discrepancies. So yeah, let's 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 talk about that. Let's talk about why it is that um, uh, conservative Christians, it seems, um, are finding it very difficult to to uh, to comprehend that things are true, and it's not all quote media spin or fake news. Right. Well, um, it goes back to this idea too. Uh, when you look at your Let's just take a, an anecdotal example. When you look at your Facebook feed uh, and you think about the profiles of different people on your Facebook feed, who are the people that are most likely to share something that's blatantly wrong that could easily be um, verified by Snopes? I, I mean, conservative Christians. Yeah, so why is that? And yeah. that's been happening long before um, any one political official got elected into office. All right, all right. You, you know I already have an answer for this. Please. Okay, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna hypothesize that that this is rooted in um, decades of of um, conservative Christian branding and media. Okay. That um, Christians are are being taught to trust only what comes out of the mouth of certain outlets mm -hmm. or certain individuals who are given some kind of authority. Hmm. Uh, so, so in other words, um, conservative Christians have been trained uh, not to uh, interpret the world through a lens of rational discourse or research, mm -hmm. uh, but instead to um, to to listen to an authority. That's interesting. Let's expand on that a little bit. Okay, so um, uh, this is an idea that. <clears throat> modernism, rationalism, um, expressly attempts to uh, completely under, undermine and, and, de and, and demolish is the idea that truth is determined by authority. Okay. And yet, um, conservative Christians have not participated in that movement. How so? Uh, they, have, uh, they have bucked against uh, any any belief that there is like um, it seems they it seems uh, that they have bucked against the idea that there is a rational world uh, in which things happen that are true uh, and will only uh, listen to the interpretation of that world as dispensed by trusted sources. Yeah, so we we actually base our concept of of what is true. Um, might be going back rooting to uh, the idea of a pastor. You know, you think about a pastor uh, from the 1600s to probably the, the, the mid-1900s, really. Um, a, a pastor used to be the representative for his community, right? He used to have um, moral authority in, in, the, in the culture. He used to be the arbitrator. Uh, the church used to be the hub of a community. And so whoever was the pastor of the of the First Baptist Church on the corner um, was that uh, was was a moral authority that people respected and looked up to, right. and sometimes that's good, and sometimes that can be very damaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's rooted in our ecclesiology, probably as Americans, um, to view certain people as authoritative that have education experience, um, and I even noted this uh, when I went to Bible college and seminary, uh, which this idea of in my graduate studies, I would have professors that were probably uh, way more conservative that would stand up 
and say, this is what the text says. And so I knew that there were certain professors that when I wrote a paper, I had to write what they wanted me to write to get an A. Right. E even though through, through, the, through the lens of rational discourse and uh, an inquiry, in fact, uh, you know, the, the, the answer would be far more ambiguous. Yes. So there's a, there's a, a, a search for simplicity that has caused us to, uh, and, and this is actually quite a, a, a good critique of, of the Christian church at times, check our brains at the door of the, the chapel. Right. And so when we walk in, we just kind of blindly listen, blindly accept and move on. Right. And right. so that's probably been a part. So that's been a, a vein of this of this approach, um, which is now being somewhat informed by postmodernism, which seems like there's this juxtaposition that's happening with with Christians in the church today is this idea of this idea of check the, checking your brain at the door and this idea of relativistic truth. Right. Um, where it becomes about my feelings. So my feelings become the most important. Oh, and by the way, I'm checking my brain at the door, so I'm not even going to look or listen or think about facts. Right. I think is is what we're seeing in in our broader culture that's happening in the church. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I think I think uh, the the technical term for this, uh, as 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 mentioned by one of our commenters, uh, is confirmation bias. Okay. Uh, let's talk. And who who commented that by the way? Uh, ben Tracy. Oh, hi, Ben Tracy. I don't know you, but thanks for coming. Oh, he knows you. Who is who is Ben Tracy? Ben Tracy is a uh, is my arch nemesis back in the UK. <laughs> I must meet him and become friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah, arch nemesis. In fact, his blog used to be called Arch Heretic. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. I need to go visit it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so this idea of bias, that's a great point, because now what we're seeing, and this has ha been happening for many years, but this idea of I read what enforces the opinions that I already believe. And so we go to certain news sources, we read certain blogs, we have certain friends that all confirm the things that I want to believe, and the world is becoming much smaller now, and technology is becoming much more specific. There's actually a technological side of this, too. If you click like, I think somebody actually did this. They clicked like on a certain number of things on Facebook, and all of a sudden their ads started to get more targeted, and what they saw became more targeted right. to reinforce their thoughts. Right, right. So, um, so uh, tragically, Christians have been extremely culpable uh, in this movement uh, of, of postmodernity, ironically enough, uh, considering the fact that conservative <laughs> Christians were the first to rail against postmodernism and, uh, and especially lib and, and, and liberal discourse. Uh, conservative Christians were the very first to, to, to rail against it. Yes. And they seem to have become uh, its slaves um, in, in terms of uh, they have dispensed with um, seeing the world as it is and deferring to authority. Uh, which is a, um, uh, an incredibly anti-intellectual, uh, non-rational way of, way of thinking. And actually, post-modernity brings this post-rational uh, way of thinking into the mainstream. It, it says it's okay. Yeah, so we've got uh, the world around us saying it's okay, and then we've got our own thoughts, our own bias, our own perspectives that are also moving us in the same direction. Even when 15, 20 years ago, we were railing against this. Right, right. we were railing against it. Actually, and, and, and the world has come around to, to, to agree with the church. And which, think about... Which, 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 by the way, which, by the way, eschatologically, I happen to believe is true. What do you mean? 
I happen to believe that 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 uh, that, uh, that 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 as as the church uh, ministers in the world, eventually uh, the world will be converted to the church. <laughs> okay. I, I actually happen to I happen to believe that's the case. We need to have a whole uh, other conversation about that. That's a uh, I, 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 and, that, and that's that's a part of the church's mission in the world. Uh, but um, <laughs> as it happens, uh, Christians have found themselves welcomed into the mainstream. Uh, because, you know, just like them, the rest of the world is ready to, to question, to, to overthrow um, the previously held uh, arbiters of reality, rational truth. Yeah. Now, and let's, let's think about this too. There's one other point that you made, which I thought was fantastic, which was um, this idea of uh, submitting to authority, right? Um, mm -hmm. When the authority used to be the pastor. Right for Christian yeah. conservative Christians who grew up in the rural South, for instance, because uh, that's yeah. my context right now. So the authority used to be the pastor, but now, but 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 but, but beyond that, like now there are uh, a few select individuals who bear the conservative Christian brand, who can who can look better, sound better, project themselves better, and find better broadcasting opportunities than the local pastor. But but this is the unique thing, Ian is that the people that are representing conservative Christians today, by and large, are against many of the, the, the changes that we've seen in our culture and are speaking against it. Yet yeah. they are being lambasted by the very conservative Christians that they are supposed to represent. And the prime example of that um, is Russell Moore. Now, right. Russell Moore and I disagree on a lot of different things, but um, there is a prominent Baptist church that used to give to the Southern Baptist Convention that supports Russell Moore. Right. And they stopped giving. It was in national news. Actually, someone from Downtown Hope sent me a link to the article um, because of some of his stances on the current president and the current administration. So right. here's someone who used to really represent strongly conservative ideals. He actually leads up the Ethics um, and Religious Liberties Commission for the Southern Baptists. I actually met him. I've been to a couple of things where he's spoken. He's very conservative. Um, but people are st stopping to support him because here's what I think has happened is the shift of authority has has shifted from uh, the pastors and the evangelical leaders to my own feelings. Right. My own feelings have become the ultimate authority. And this right. is where I think we are moving with the tide of the culture around us that says my feelings become the ultimate authority in my life. Right. And, no, oh, by the uh, way, yeah, I'm in the yeah, echo yeah. chamber where everybody yeah. else thinks yeah, yeah, yeah. the same thing. As opposed to, for example, Russell Moore, who has a lot of learning, scholarship, and research to back up his claims, mm -hmm. people think, I don't like the way that sounds. Yes, because of personal bias and, and the idea of, of what, uh, what, what Ben brought to the table. Right. So, so we're, no longer, we're no longer engaging with uh, what can be said to be true through observable facts, but, but what we feel. Uh, and, and, and this, is, this is why you can have a major world leader um, tell a press conference that uh, it did not rain on their inauguration. <laughs> when you can find the footage of his wife holding an umbrella over him because it's raining. <laughs> it's quite interesting. It's a it's 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 a bizarre departure from uh, from from seeing seeing the world as it is, um, because 
um, you know, and, and, and conservative Christians are especially susceptible for this because they spent the last 50 years being told, oh, the facts are being told on the TV aren't really facts. Yeah, yeah. And, and, which, and, and now mainstream political candidates are saying the same thing. Yes. And so there's, so, so here's, the, here's the real question. I'm looking at the time, thinking through, we want to stick to an hour. Um, but uh, so, so how do we as Christians, how are we supposed to engage with truth? Right. Right, that's a good question. That's a good question. And let's just, let's just defer back to the script about that. Oh, great. We're actually going to look at the Bible. You're, you're going to give a quote from the scriptures, Ian? Oh, my <clears> gosh. You're not going to turn to some obscure figure in church history? Oh, like Augustine of Canterbury or Augustine of Hippo, St. <laughs> Athanasius of the Athanasian Creed, obscure figures in Christian history. <laughs> oh, I love it. I like the Bible. I, I like what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's just bring that up. I've got it up here. You want me to read it? Uh, please. Uh, let, let's, let's start the reading properly. <clears throat> uh, the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Oh Do the reading. <laughs> Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Uh, but you have a custom that I should release one to you, Barabbas. They cried out, not the man, but Barabbas, not Barabbas, with a robber. And uh, what's notable in the text is that Jesus is silent. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. There you go. We, we Amen. Uh, and, 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 and next time you read from the Gospel, you have to chant it. <laughs> I actually kind of want to do that right now, but I'm not going to no, embarrass no, no, no. myself, please. Don't embarrass yourself. Uh, uh, chanting, is, chanting is quite a skill that I've not yet acquired. Um, <laughs> right. I feel like we need to have an altar in front of us, uh, some candles, some incense, uh, maybe oh, a little stop. ash or something. Oh, stop. <laughs> um, so Pilate asked the question, what is truth? Yeah. What, what is truth? And, uh, and Jesus... Uh, famously doesn't reply, but rather uh, permits himself to undergo a sham trial and be executed. Which, interestingly enough, the trial, the politicians, everything around him was absolutely fake, false, contrived, bringing in false witnesses, um, enduring an incredible amount of what we would call today fake news. Fake news. Yeah, so fake news got Jesus Christ killed. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> breaking news breaking news. 2000 fake, years ago. fake news killed jesus christ and uh you know in in in, in some ways uh, fake news has been killing people for years oh snap mic drop right there mic drop fake news has been killing people for years um <clears throat> after uh um after the the uh, the bombings of the london underground on mm -hmm. um uh, in uh july of some year we can't remember when uh, a, a Middle Eastern man was shot dead uh, because he was believed to be a terrorist. Hmm. No good reason to believe that. He was shot dead by the police. And, 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 indeed, and indeed, I think, I think we can probably point to some violent outbursts, lynch killings, um, and, and summary executions around the world, uh, which are in, 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 indeed similarly based on things that aren't true. Yes, and we've seen that um, from presuppositions all the way dating back to the foundation of America. Right, right. Oh, 2007, by the way. Uh, okay. Was, was that? Is that Ben still? Yeah, that was Ben. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. How many live viewers do we have right now? <clears throat> Two. <laughs> awesome. But some, but, but, but one of you isn't. But one of you isn't commenting. So you can message us on Facebook. Please search, search Facebook for smoking issues. Message us. We'd love to hear from you. Affirm us. We're millennials. We need constant support and encouragement to tell us that what we're doing is right and with, valid. With special snowflakes. <laughs> it's my feelings. Help my feelings to feel better. Right. Right. So um, <clears throat> uh, the, the Christian Bible engages with the question of, of what is truth. Um, and, uh, and what we, uh, <clears throat> what we see uh, in, in, in Christian uh, in Christian theology um, is that uh, there is a deference uh, to a foundation of uh, what we call natural theology, uh, typically called in sort of classical Christian discourse, natural theology, uh, which is an exposition uh, on the observable world <clears throat> from which we can determine uh, things that are true about humanity, about God, about nature, uh, based on what we see and experience. Uh, that, gotcha. This is the realm of, of natural theology. Um, and, 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 and would probably fit into a, into a broad category of rationalism. However, <clears throat> however, Christianity is not simply a religion of rationalism. Uh, it's not simply a religion which, which, which says that, oh, we can see things in the world that are true and support them. It is a religion of revelation. Oh, man. Preach it. And that revelation is rooted in authority. Hmm. Thus saith the Lord. God spoke unto Moses and said, you shall have no other gods before me, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, the Christian scripture itself um, um, uh, you know, has to reckon, reckon with the fact that a lot of things that it proclaims to be true are not seen. Yes. Uh, is there a Bible quote? You, I, I, you know, can, can I get a Bible quote about that? <laughs> There's a Bible quote for that. We do not, you know, we do not hope in what is seen. But we hope in what is unseen. What is unseen? Hebrew something or other. For what is... Oh, 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 oh. I'm getting there. As we, uh, here we go. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Right. So Christians are asked to believe things that aren't observable by an authority called God, and then also proclaimed by an authority called the church. Um, arguments from authority, I think we've already covered. Right. Uh, so, we, so, so, so we 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 do we do have to we do have to uh, have to reckon with the fact that uh, Christian faith is a faith of uh, of nature and of of observation um, that determines things about what we know to be true, and also in dialogue with an authority, um, a command, uh, things we're told to believe. Yes, and it's important to note too. That um, this idea of faith, um, nowhere in the scriptures does it encourage the idea of blind faith. And I think that's what unfortunately gets misrepresented at times, is um, this idea that we do check our brains at the door to believe these things. Uh, because there is observable facts and reason that comes to play in our faith system. And there's a system in which we approach the world, in which we approach God, in which we approach the scriptures. And there is reason that we have in association with our faith. Right, and, and, that, and, that, and that reason is, is, is rooted in the evidence Christians uh, maintain uh, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a historical fact. Yeah, that's the foundational reason and the foundational fact in which all of the other facts of Scripture hang on. Right, uh, so, so uh, 
you, one could say that, that, that the authority of the Bible, uh, the authority of God and the authority of the church is vindicated uh, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So every, every fact, every belief system in the Old Testament was pointing towards this idea of a Messiah. And everything that's talked about in the scriptures um, points back, in the New Testament, points back to this idea of Jesus's death and resurrection. Right. And so right. everything is everything is at the center of that's kind of the that's kind of the hanger that we hang our coat on. Right. It's like you know you, you know we believe these things. We we act in this way. We live this life um, foundationally because uh, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Well, there's a quote for that too. What? There's a quote for that too. Uh, if we if we do not uh, say Jesus was raised from the dead, then our faith is void and null, something like that, and we uh, are to be pitted yeah. amongst all people. Yes, I think that's First uh, Corinthians fifteen, right? Right, that's right, good. right. Uh, so, uh, so, so, so Chris, Christianity, um, uh, yes, uh, is uh, the facets of our faith are proclaimed by authorities. Those authorities are not popular authorities. Uh, they're not. They're not. They're not given authority based on the needs they fulfill in us, hmm. uh, but rather based on the the extent to which uh, they ground their reasoning. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right, and which, uh, which, interestingly enough, as we as we look at the faith system in which we ascribe to, is this idea that when we hang our hat on this idea of the resurrection, is that um, what what our faith produces is truth, goodness, and beauty, right? And because we believe that truth, goodness, and beauty was damaged with the fall, but is being restored through this faith in uh, Christ and what His work on the cross right. has done. And, and there is some really good evidence that confessional Christians uh, who, you know, or, you know uh, sadly, sadly, we have to use terms like orthodox Christian or confessional Christian to describe people who just believe the things Christians believe. Right. So we have to. Um, Christians who, who identify in this way, that they, they, they believe in such things as, as the resurrection. Um, <clears throat> silly people. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, actually have been observed to have lives that are um, uh, more peaceable, mm-hmm. um, more fruitful, um, and and have a have, genuinely have a greater economic economic output as well. Yeah, there's been some sort of there's been statistical analysis that say that um, as as people ascribe to the system of faith, that their lives actually become better over time, and the trajectory of nations can even be tracked to this idea of. Um, of, of uh, evangelical Christians, conversionist Christians, the idea that, um, and we've talked about this in past podcasts, sort of the idea of the flourishing of the world can actually, uh, some of the flourishing of the world can be traced back to the idea that um, people come to ascribe to the truth of Jesus. <laughs> so Ian, for those of us who are listening later, um, Ian was trying to light his cigar and uh, totally just um, dropped his lighter and dropped his, yes, I'm telling the story. He just put his earbuds back in. So I just put a total pause in that. That's hilarious. Thanks. Sorry. I dropped my cigar. Just get that, just get that thing lit. Does that happen often, Ian? What? <laughs> Did I drop things, Josh? Yes, it happens all the time. Yes. I was hoping to make a side comment, but it didn't come to me. Right. Uh, so, uh, so, so, so back, back to what Christians have to uh, perhaps have to offer um, uh, is that, you know, we, 
we yes we we do believe an authority um as indeed uh, many of uh, of our contemporaries now in a postmodern world are um you know whereas previously people objected to christianity based on their based on their rational suppositions oh there can't be such a thing as a resurrection for right. example um and the church maintained that yes there is a resurrection um now people are believing things uh, based on the word of a trust or, or of an authority they've deferred to or, or chosen to chosen to trust in um they've chosen to trust in an authority and then believe everything they say mm -hmm. and that authority is not backed up uh by uh by any by any historical fact uh unlike the church which is backed up by a historical fact a historical fact called the resurrection so what um so what we're saying what we're seeing is is that people are believing and trusting in an authority that's not God. Yeah. And uh, so what and, 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 not, and not only that, they're, they're, they're trusting earthly leaders uh, who, who, are not, um, who are not proclaiming a world that really exists. Yeah, so what I think this goes back to this idea of idolatry, right? I mean, wouldn't that be a, a, a clear definition of idolatry, something that takes the place of God? Of the true God in our life? So you think about this idea of um, trusting in an authority, and if the authority is anything but God, it's unreliable. Um, that's not quite what I'm arguing. <clears throat> that's not quite what I'm arguing. I think I think you, you, might, you might be becoming all preachly on me and Southern Baptist. Um, uh, that, 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 that's not that's not quite that's not quite what I'm saying. Um, what I, what I'm saying is that <clears throat> Christians. Um, Trust in an authority, or, or, or present authority, uh, which stands in a continuity of of, of belief and maintenance uh, and uh, tes testimony to the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is to say, our trust in authority is rooted in reason. Exactly, it's reasonable. It's reasonable to believe these things, mm -hmm. um, and and we are stuck in a world which no longer believes things that are reasonable. So how does that help Christians respond to Mr. Newt Gingrich? How does it help us respond to the world around us? Well, I think, well, well, here's an aside that just came to me. Christian proclamation, uh, particularly uh, of the late 20th century, has become less and less about uh, causing people to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and proclaiming Christianity on grounds of personal experience hmm. or personal fulfillment. Personal feelings. Person, personal feelings. So Christians have been permitted to, um, to base their beliefs um, and base their orientation in the world on feeling uh, rather than on, um, on, rev on, the, on the, the resurrection, uh, hmm. which is to say upon a fact. Um, and so I think uh, it's important for Christians uh, to, um, to begin to argue for their faith and think about their faith <clears throat> in these rational ways. So, yeah. so, so, so the starting point, I would argue, I would submit, is not simply you know, sharing Al, Je Al Jazeera links uh, which contradict whatever um, Breitbart is saying, mm -hmm. of which I'm sure there are many. <laughs> uh, but actually to re-engage with the rational foundations of their own faith. Yeah. 
um, to, to think rationally, to think theologically, uh, rather than thinking um, quite so existentially, shall we say. And I think that part of that comes back to this idea of we actually have to step outside of our social circles that believe what we believe in order to do that. And I think for quite a while, um, when you think about the, uh, the typical, again, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, they hang around, they talk with, they believe um, with a community of people and never engage with anyone else that has a contrarian viewpoint. So they're never forced to address some of the assumptions that they believe about the world and about God, about themselves and about truth. And so right. when you're never forced to engage on that level, I think over time you become actually, um, you actually become disillusioned with the true truth. Right. You become disillusioned with the idea of truth that it just becomes a set of assumptions that you believe to justify certain behavior, certain actions, certain set of morals. Uh, and so actually uh, truth in isolation uh, becomes uh, actually a means for us to stray away from that truth, right? Perhaps, perhaps. Um, what, what do you mean truth in isolation? Um, the idea of, I just think about this idea of the echo chamber, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if I go to my Christian dentist and I go to my Christian banker and I go to my Christian church and I work yeah. around people that would ascribe to the same things that I believe, no one ever challenges me. So over right, time, right. I create these assumptions. Over time, my brain actually starts working in a certain way that says that, well, everything I must believe must be true and right because yeah. everyone around me affirms that. And so all of a sudden, we move away from the truth of the resurrection and how powerful that is. Right. Uh, so so, so this, this was observed, actually, um, uh, over the last year of political discourse when, when one, uh, one prominent candidate uh, began using the catchphrase, um, deceitful Hillary. Yeah. Lying okay. Hillary, lying Hillary, lying mm -hmm. Hillary. He, this individual would say it over and over again. Uh, again, no evidence to believe um, that uh, Hillary was a liar. No evidence. Uh, but you said it enough times in, into the echo chamber, and guess what? Started to get believed. It started to be true. Well, he, no, 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 let's argue a little bit from the other side. Um, there are certain things in relation to that specific example in which there was some things that came out that she was wrong on. She was deceitful. There are certain things that she said that were proven to be wrong. Right. Um, uh, so, but what we do is we took um, certain, a certain set of facts, viewed them in isolation and said, this person, everything this person says is a liar. Yeah. Um, just like on the other side, we say, hey, this person says a certain things that are, are true Thus, everything they say is true, right? Uh, because it actually came out. There are certain things that Hillary said and did in front of the press that she later came out and said the exact opposite. But that has been almost every single politician that has ever run for any office ever. Well, we don't I mean, say I mean, that I mean, every I mean, politician is a liar in every single thing they say. It means that there are certain politicians that will deceit, that, that will say deceitful things to accomplish a point, and later they'll come back and say other things. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's a certain subset of what what um, what the political candidate said that was true, but viewed in isolation. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying is that we're not taking a look at the whole. And I think that I, I want to encourage. I think that we need to encourage Christians to say, hey, um, there are certain things that we need to engage with our friends and neighbors that may not believe what we believe, mm -hmm. and actually that will hone our belief even more. Right. So, so I think I think uh, to to sum it up in a limerick or a or a phrase is to say, trust people less, love the truth more. 
Yes, that's a good, that's a good thought. Trust people less, love the truth more. Mm -hmm. It's okay for some people to be right about some things and wrong about others. Yeah. It's okay. It's fine. Absolutely. That person isn't a bad person <laughs> for being right about some things and wrong about others. And this goes back to this idea of the kingdom, right? So this is what this is what what Jesus came. He said, "I've come to proclaim that the kingdom is here, right? Yeah, and and it's coming and it's seen around us. And this idea of like um, observable facts are a good thing. Yeah, and truth is a good thing because truth contributes to God's kingdom. It yeah. contributes to God's flourishing." And so we can we can say with confidence when we when we see observable facts, we can say that they're true because there's a deeper understanding that when we uh, express the truth, when we live in the truth, when we talk about the things that are true, when we love the truth, as you were saying, um, it starts to expose the lies in ourselves and in our culture. Right, right. Um, so what do Christians do in a world of fake news? I think. I think I think the answer is um, is 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 to, um, to to start with being more rational about your own faith mm -hmm. um, and your own relationship with God. Uh, to believe the things uh, that we believe and inquire whether they're really true. Absolutely. Uh, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> churches don't. Uh, if they've they've loved to proclaim things that feel true or feel good the sake of being successful and having a good income sad right. um but it's time to it's time to grow up it's time to get over that time to move on yeah and also it goes back to this idea of truth with teeth on it right right so you can have the idea of truth as a philosophical concept and we can say we love the poor but do we spend yeah. time with the poor right we can say that we love seeing the flourishing of our neighbors around us but if we don't meet our neighbors and care for them uh we actually to deny the truth that we say we believe, right? Right. Uh, this I, I, I just had this quote from First John three. It says, "Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth." So right. this idea right. of truth and action that are connected with each other um, in this new way of thinking called God's kingdom. Right. Right. Um, so uh, you know, uh, the world has changed. Um, I think uh, postmodernism is beginning to mature, and 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 it, is, and it is responsible for some massive shifts that have happened in the Western world over the last year or two. Absolutely. Um, so that is that is that is what is. Uh, what does the church do? We um, uh, we are uh, not going to uh, we're not going to align ourselves with any one group. Uh, or any one figure, mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to argue based on uh, the observable facts of the of the world. Absolutely, and that's all I'd say. And I would say too that um, the extremism that we see happening, the pendulum swings right, um, and the pendulum has a tendency to swing wide one way or wide the other way. Yeah, I think it's very tempting for Christians, even tempting tempting for me as I as I see my friends. I mean, my friends are pretty much split down the middle in what they believe politically. And as pastors and as leaders, I think it behooves us to try to see the truth and not try to see our own bias coming to the table. And so we listen to things that maybe uh, we listen to a wide variety of things around us. We talk with a wide variety of people because we love the truth. Yeah. And when we love the truth and we seek the truth, 
then I think that that will extend far beyond this very black and white landscape that we now live in and understand that there are things that are a little bit more gray and it's okay because there's one thing that we know that isn't gray. Yeah. Uh, there's one thing that we believe that isn't gray and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we hang our hat on. Absolutely. Well, uh, as we conclude this discussion, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to uh, rifle through Ben's comments to me. All right, there you go. Um, as, as you're rifling through, Ian, how is your cigar? It's been delicious. Uh, yeah. Punch is always a good, gentle smoke. It's great. Uh, very enjoyable. It smells great. Like, it tastes great, and the smell is fantastic. Oh, it's wonderful. So it's been, it's been a great smoke, very even, very easy to smoke, a, 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 well, a well humidified cigar. That's wonderful. Well, mine was uh, mine was okay. I mean, probably for a five dollar cigar, um, it was about as good as it could be. Um, again, mine was a uh, La Duena, mm -hmm. um, so it was a little bit. Uh, it was it was uh, light to medium bodied, uh -huh. but uh, it, it was a little difficult to smoke at times. I probably didn't have the best punch on it, but um, it was a, just a good smoky smoke. It was just a good typical. No, not a lot of spice to it. Not a lot of flavor to it. It was just a, a good interim smoke until we kind of get back in the groove next week. Absolutely. All right, see how I put that in there? Next week, not don't, June. Don't make promises you can't keep. <laughs> I have a tendency. I, I have a feeling you're blaming me for our silence over the past two months. Is that right? Um, to quote the man, uh, by the way, this, this is some comments from Ben. Uh, would you turn that lens of postmodern inquiry on your own metaphysical beliefs? Could oh, we? Sure. Can we? I hope so. I have one presupposition. Resurrection of Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's my presupposition. And I, I, have to, I have to presuppose it in order for anything else to make sense. Right. Um, <clears throat> any other questions? Um, do, either, way, do either of you really need the historical case for the resurrection in order to believe? Is that truly and finally the hook on which you hang your you hang that faith? Huh. Good question. Yeah, uh, I aimed I aimed for that to be the case. Yeah, uh, admittedly, not always for me. I mean, I grew up in a context in which it was, I believed it, kind of spoon fed to me, and I had to come into my own. Well, uh, thank you again, Ben, for contributing to our discussion. And uh, I hope to see uh, more of you online next week. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try and broadcast on a time that's not peak hours in the middle of a Friday evening. <laughs> yeah, Friday evening, I don't think too many people are wanting to watch us. Uh, by the way, Jaft uh, sent me a text message uh, noting my lighting and saying that it was very poor lighting on my end. So um, agreed. And if you would like to sponsor us, Joshua Craft, um, <laughs> in, in getting a light for me in Tennessee, more than happy to. I'll give you my address. All right. Well, it's been great to chat. Uh, great have to a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya.